Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Voice of Adoptees, which brings together diverse and unique voices from around the world to share their stories. If you liked today's episode, remember to give us a like, subscribe, and leave a review. Here's your host, David Shunk. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Voice of Adoptees. Today, we're joined by Kat. She is adopted from Russia. Uh, fun fact, she was actually adopted from Russia similar time period as uh, me. So this should be a very interesting conversation. Kat, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for your time. And we look forward to uh, hearing your story. So tell us about yourself. Yeah, well, thank you for having me. Would you like the short part of it first? Of Whatever just you'd like. The, <laughs> the floor and... is yours. Okay. All right. So I was originally born that named as Ludmila Ivanova. My birthday is, you know, September 26th. And I was born in 1994 in Russia in Krasnoyarsk. And I was in Russia from 1994 to 1997 and got adopted by an American couple and came to the States and kind of moved around a little bit. And I am now here in Missouri. How, how do you uh, like it down there? I grew up mostly in Southern California, so it's really different here. Most of my childhood was spent in Southern California. Okay, so like like L.A. area or? In between L.A. and San Diego is a city called Temecula. So it's about an hour from each L.A. San Diego. Okay, wow, great, yeah. great. So I guess let's start from the beginning. So you said you were adopted 1997, you were about two? Correct. Yeah, two and a half, yeah. It's safe to say you don't have any memories, really? I have one memory, and it's just a description. I asked my parents if I had this visual of the courthouse waiting outside of the courtroom, and I just remember this curved wall and being near this, like, didn't know where I was, but just a curved wall. I know what was happening and we have no photos we have photos and videos of stuff from me in russia but we don't have any photos of that and i asked them if that's actually what it looked like and they said it was so i guess wow that's that's, that's, that's pretty good yeah <laughs> yeah okay so definitely can't make that up <laughs> so when you were adopted into the u.s did you always feel like you were adopted or did you figure it out on your own or kind of how did that come into play? So I know I asked my mom when I was younger. I think I always knew there was something different because my parents have an age gap. They were 22 years apart. Um, and so I don't think I actually understood the concept of adoption because I also didn't understand the concept of being born from someone either. And so I think as I grew up as a kid later on learned what actual adoption meant but okay when would you say about what age were you when it hit you that you were from russia and you have this whole other side of you and you have a family over there and you know you start thinking about that those questions how old were you would you say that started to happen i mean i knew so we first lived in uh, Nashville, Tennessee in the States, and I knew whenever I went places, I always wanted to talk to people. And I knew growing up at school, I would always tell people that I was adopted from Russia. And so I always thought that was cool and something yeah. that was unique about me. And something my school actually let me do sometime was teach them Russian, some Russian words that I knew. And so I taught my class some basic words. So that was, that was kind of cool. Yeah, that is really cool. Did you ever get exposure from your adoptive parents at all about anything uh, Russian related? Like, did they celebrate the holidays or did they take you to the Russian local store, tr you know, try to cook some Russian food for you or were they very hands off in that approach? They didn't take me to Russian markets, restaurants or anything like that. But what they did do was they collected Russian items for me in a cabinet. And so in my house, I have a cabinet just full of Russian things, full of glasses, toys that kids would have had, military hats, Matryoshka dolls, uh, plates, Fabergé, eggs for those 
you don't know, I think that's what they're called. <laughs> uh, Fabergé eggs, just different things. So I have a collection of that. Yeah. And then I think my mom tried making me, she tried making me something one time. I want to say it was Palmini, but I don't I think she tried making it from scratch once or something like that. So. It didn't turn out too well? I don't remember. <laughs> wow. Okay. So you said that you mentioned the Russian language. Was that self-taught or were you getting uh, some help from some a Russian teacher nearby? So when my parents brought me back over, I did speak some Russian to the point to where they didn't really understand what I was saying to yeah. them. And I didn't understand what they were saying to me. So I knew I knew it like when I came over. I didn't really maintain any of it except for the basic. My parents called me Dochka growing up, which is Russian for daughter. So that was my name growing up. And I actually went by Katya growing up as a kid because I struggled with the name Kathleen. And I don't know if that was because of the TH sound in the name and that not being a Russian sound or if it was just hard to spell, maybe a little bit of both. But yeah, um, I know I went by Katya growing up. And I think in high school, I self-taught myself how to read Russian and all of that. And uh, last year, I started doing Babel. But then in November of last year, I think it was the day right before Thanksgiving, I found out that there's this online class and I started taking it then. And from November of last year till now i am to the point to where i am sending russian i don't want to get ahead but yeah. uh russian you know uh voice messages to my russian mom and um, my sister and stuff like that so and they'll say stuff back to make sure that they're understanding what i'm saying and some of it they may not understand but i'm to the point to where i can have basic conversations and tell someone about my day yeah. wow that's yeah that's really great it, that's really cool to learn to embrace the language and to um, make that connection with, like, you know, your other side is something that is personal. And, you know, to us, that means something. It means a lot, you know. And the fact that you're doing that and willing to do that is, you know, it's a big deal. And some people might think it's not, but it definitely is a big deal. So you mentioned your Russian family a little bit. But before we yeah. get there, let's talk about... First off, like some basics of when did you want to conduct a search and find your family? Let's start there. Like what made you want to find them? I also have stuff about my parents bring me over to Russia too to talk about. Well, like you want me to start from the beginning timeline? Yeah, let, let, let's do it. Yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> so my parents uh, went through an agency called Cradle of Hope and they are based out in Maryland and the director at the time was Linda Perlstein. And she, the adoption agency is still in business today. And they basically, my parents got a social worker, um, helped get through the whole pre-approval process of adoption. They had references and all of that. And I don't know how other people got adopted, but I know for my parents, they were basically given uh, a binder of photos to go through yep. of children to pick. And all they had, I think was just a photo and a name yeah. and they couldn't get any other information until they actually picked someone. And so they had to really, you know, pray hard, think about it, which child they wanted to pick. And I know they looked at a few other different countries and different countries have different regulations where their combined age has to be, in their 30s or or less or um in russia at the time was they had to have a combined age of less than 100 so then they chose russia and wanted someone who would somewhat look and resemble them right. as well and so once they selected me they were then sent a just group of medical information yeah. and a video of me in the orphanage and the video of me in the orphanage is uh, there's a spot of it from 1996 and there's a little portion of it in 1997. So I think they filmed maybe every year or so. I'm not sure, but there's two separate videos of yeah. that. And then they went from Tennessee to Atlanta to Frankfurt, Germany, and then to Moscow. 
Wow. And they, um, yeah, they stayed at a hotel. About those connections now. (laughs) Oh, right, right. Um, their their flight from Moscow to uh, Krasnoyarsk was um, a double decker, and the plane partied all night. It was a midnight flight, so um, they didn't get any sleep. <laughs> there you go. Yep. And so they stayed at a host family's house for about seven or eight hours before they had to get on to their next flight. And the second that they landed in Krasnoyarsk, they had no time to get ready. They needed sleep. They needed to shower and all yeah. of that. But they were like, "It's time to go. Time to go to the orphanage." and meet the director uh galena and so they went into her office i was at um, orphanage number three in sosnovoborsk and we had about 210 kids and 13 beds to each room and maybe one to two caregivers and just a few toys and so my mom before leaving brought a suitcase of donations to the orphanage of yeah um, my, but she put up a sign at work and people donated clothes, toys and stuff. So my dad and my mom brought that over as well. That's awesome. And so then they went into her office and they went and got me. And the first thing I did was cry when my mom helped me. True love. And I, huh? true love from a mother and a daughter. Yep. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I wanted nothing to do with my dad. <laughs> At all. It was actually any men at all because we had no exposure to men in the orphanage. Everyone was female. Even the court, the judge was female. Her name was Olga. We, My parents actually lived on Olga Avenue at the time in Tennessee, which was a funny coincidence. And she loved that. I think she thought that was really cool. And so basically, they just kind of told my parents that I'm very strong-willed and all of that. And after getting all the medical information, going to like a pediat- uh, pediatrician, they found out some of the stuff was inaccurate. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's very common. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so basically, the day that they were supposed to get medically cleared to leave Russia, the day before that was actually a holiday. So my parents had a free day of touring Russia. It was Russian May Day, which is their Labor Day, which is May 1st. Yep. So that kind of stopped things i got to kind of tour around we went to red square yeah um and all of that different places and so after that we finally left and when i had a 45 minute tantrum on the plane back and i wanted to crawl under the seats on the plane and i wasn't allowed to (laughs) and my parents couldn't tell me why in a language that i understood so yeah that's that's a bit complicated (laughs) yeah so we got to Nashville, Tennessee, and my dad took me to a Tours R Us. And this is like maybe just a couple months in of being in the States. Yeah. And I guess the look on my face was that I was just overstimulated and didn't know what to do. All the toys were completely different than what was in the orphanage. And I think one person asked my dad, like, just what was going on. Like I was writing a toy and saying, is she yours? And he said, yeah. And shared that I was adopted from Russia. They just brought me back. And he was like, Oh, how's she liking it? He's like, well, she went from an orphanage of uh, 210 kids sharing about mm, very few toys, maybe 20 or less toys to coming to the United States to have a family and have all these toys. So how do you think she's doing? (laughs) Yeah, seriously. But from then, I uh, became a citizen. I don't know if you had a waiting process. I know each state's different. I didn't actually become a U.S. citizen until 2001. Yeah, that, that's great. I So, yeah, no, I had citizenship pretty quickly. But I know when I was adopted, I came in on a, you know, Soviet issue, even though it was the Russian government. Yep. 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 The Soviet-style <laughs> passport uh, with, and I got a alien card from the immigration yep. of the U.S., and when I got my citizenship, it was just a certificate of citizenship. And the way the, wow. the way they, yeah, I was never naturalized or anything like that. So it's always confusing because on every government forum, it asks, how, were, how are you a U.S. citizen? Is it by birth or naturalization? Mine's neither. <laughs> but mm-hmm. luckily, yeah. uh, my parents were smart about it. So when the adoption paperwork went through, they brought me to the New Hampshire courts and they basically kind of like readopted me and got letters from the uh, New Hampshire courts that are sealed and signed that saying that the adoption is official in the eyes of the courts in the United States as well. 
So, awesome. um, so yeah, I got a certificate of citizenship with a little baby face of me on it. And I have to, bring, <laughs> and I, I had to bring that everywhere I went as well. Like every yep. college I applied mm-hmm. to the fast file office reached out every single one and said, we need more paperwork. We need more paperwork. Mm-hmm. And they, everyone always yeah. got a kick out of when I took out my citizenship paperwork and up. Oh, yeah. This proves I'm a U.S. citizen, but th- thankfully well, we have passports, yeah. but still, I mean, but right. yeah, so that's, um, yeah. I've heard of a lot of adoptees similar from uh, similar stories from Russia who actually had to wait for citizenship for a long time. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I was like, I was six years old, turning seven that year, um, before I act. So you were you actually so for those, what six years in the U.S. You mm, um, four? Uh, four, four four years in the U.S. You were living on a visa. Mm-hmm. I think so. I had the permanent alien. Or yeah. um, the alien card, the little um, thing. So, so you had to, I'm sure your parents had to register you at the embassy and... I'm not sure actually what they did for that. I know they readopted me, but this was, by this time, we were already living in Southern California. Oh, okay. So even maybe switching states even challenged things yeah. too. So, yeah. but I remember wearing my little red, white, and blue dress going to the uh, certificate uh, citizenship ceremony. Yeah. And all of us were just holding flags, just to real kids, all of that. So, yeah, it's interesting. And, like, I had the same issue with my social security card. I found out in 2020, uh, I lost my card, tried to get a new social security card. And social security here was like, you're not a U.S. Literally citizen. And I'm like, the same yes, thing. That's same that's crazy. Thing the same happened. thing happened to me in the same year. Yeah. 2020? Yeah, I lost mine, too. And it was a night. It was a nightmare. It was a nightmare yes, because it, they're just like, um, yeah, they, yeah, they wrote back and sent a letter when I had to send, you know, send copies and everything. I got a letter back and they said, you know, invalid social security number. I'm like, um, what? Oh, <laughs> they're like, I yeah, nope, finish. you're not a citizen. Do you have proof? Did your heart sink? Uh, <laughs> Mine yeah, sink. a little bit. But then it's like, well, I have a U.S. passport right here and my certificate of citizenship in my hand. So it's kind of like, OK, you can't deny these. So the, the, I had a lady on the phone and of course it's COVID at the time. So you can't even go uh, in. Yeah. We were able to, she was like, you can't come in unless it's an emergency. I was like, I'm pretty sure this is an emergency. Yeah. (laughs) We ended up going in. It's that's another story for another time. I'm yeah. Yeah. yeah, We basically (laughs) got to the point where my mom came down and she, she's like, we're going to take care of this. And I'm like, but you need an appointment. Mom, like you can't just walk in there and she's like, Oh yeah, watch me. And she, so we basically just, we just showed up unannounced at the social security office to the security guard saying, Ma'am, you need an appointment. She's like, Well, I'm not leaving. So they finally yeah. came out and just said, Okay, fine, you know, come back. We'll take care of it. What do you need? Wow. Yeah, but yeah, I had to mail them my documents. I'm like, you better not lose yeah, these. Me too. The lady on the phone was like, I don't know how you've gotten by all these years. I don't know how you had a job. And I'm like, Well, I have a U.S. passport and I'm a notary for the state of Missouri, so you have to be a citizen to do that. <laughs> and you know, all of that. I don't know. Even the notary form, it, the only options were what state were you born in. I said to them, "I'm like, what if I wasn't born in these states?" Yeah, I. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Lots of fun road tape. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and so, yeah, to kind of go into your question of like when I got yeah, interested yeah. in. I would say kind of grew more when I was 18 years old. <laughs> Same thing as me. Yep. Man. And my parents gave me my documents on my 18th birthday to kind of look through them. And that's when I found out I had um, a middle name, my um, patronymic name, and or, uh, didn't know that I had one. And that was kind of cool to find out. It was, uh, it's Venedievna and did 23 and Me when I was in my early 20s. Yep. Yep. And came back with like ninety eight percent like Eastern European yep, Russian, two point five percent Asian. Oh, or wow! Something. Yeah. yeah. So found a cousin on there, and that's when I found out that my patronymic name—I don't even know if I'm saying that word right—was fake because he said Venedievna is not even a name, and that's what's on all of my documents. And he said it should be Genedievna for Genedi. Oh, Gennady, and, yeah, yeah. It's uh-huh. pronounced, yeah, 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 yeah. And I was like, no, I'm telling you, this is what's on all my paperwork. So I found out that was interesting. I did a bunch of Facebook searches. I did, you know, searched my mom's name. Her name's Tatiana Ivanova. 
and there's so many of those names that's such you know tatiana is a very popular yeah. name yeah and ivanova is the most popular surname ivana yeah ivanova uh, yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's the most popular. It's a Trivial Pursuit question. Yeah, no, li- literally, my, my Russian surname was uh, Novikov. <laughs> so the, 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 my mother's name, supposedly on the paperwork at the time, was Novikova, which is the equivalent of Smith. So that's oh, yeah. why, they, you know, they told me, like, yeah, good luck. <laughs> yep. Right? <laughs> so I searched. I had her name. I had her birthday. I had her the place of where I was from because I have the relinquishment letter. Yeah, yeah. Which had her passport number and everything. And searched for a while, didn't come across anything. And then on Facebook in 2022, I'm sure you've heard other uh, Russian adoptees on here talking about it. I found out there is a reunion happening in Niagara Falls, Canada. And of all things, for a very specifically, for a very specific audience, I thought there's no way that... You know, I feel like this is very targeted, <laughs> this ad. And I ended up signing up not knowing what I was getting into. And that's when I went to Niagara Falls in July last year. And they gave us more tools for searching like Odno Klasniki and VK. And they talked about how to find family, how to talk to them, how to be careful about talking to them with everything going on, how they might have you know, rolls up, how you need to also be careful because someone else might be pretending to be them. They actually mentioned that it might be someone, I mean, who could be in the military and making all these fake, I don't know, profiles and you message them and find out they have connections to the U.S. They could go and, you know, harm those people. And so they talked about just being very cautious and very careful in these times. And so I looked on OK and ended up. So for those listening, VK is kind of like the Russian version of Instagram. So I feel like there's going to be a lot of younger uh, Russian people on it, whereas OK is more like Russian Facebook. Yep. That's how I've been told. Um, so it's going to have a little bit of like the older audience. Yeah. On there. Um, and so that's actually where I messaged this person on July 15th at uh, 17.46 p.m. Well, um, so that would be five, uh, what five, yeah, five forty-six yep. PM and sent her the basic message saying, you know, hi, my name is Ludmila Ivanova. I was born, um, September 26 and, uh, you have the same name as my mom saying birthday. You have a similar job as she had written in her letter. And I was just wondering if this was you and uh, she wrote back later on saying, Uh, Do I have any other data? Do I have a hospital number? Two or three, for example. And I said two, I think. And she said, and I've never gotten this response before. So everyone else I've messaged, it's no, sorry, that's not me. There are a few people on OK who have said, no, that's not me. A few people on Facebook who never ended up responding. And so this was like the first time I was actually getting somewhere. And I was like, this cannot be happening. Like on this trip in Canada, like this is, this is amazing. Like, And I was like, am I actually ready for this, you know? And I said, two, that was in the hospital maternity home number two. And she asked uh, where I live. And I told her where I live in the States. And then she asked if I had any documents or paperwork or anything. And she asked if I had her patronymic name. And I sent it to her. And I also sent her the letter that she hand wrote. And I happened to have that on my phone and she said, yes, I wrote it. And like, (laughs) I know that must've been hard for her because being sent the document that that's like that. It's a a, literally a reminder in their own writing of giving up a child. Yeah, exactly. Like that's gotta be tough. And so when she sent that, I just, I, I was like, guys, I need to go back to the hotel room. Like, I think the group of us Russian adults like went out that night and that's when I got that message. I'm like, I got to go back to the hotel. Like, like, you know, and I said to her, I want to talk to you more and get to know you better. And she said she needed to think about it and that she was in shock because apparently what the doctors told her was that I wasn't going to live and I was just going to die. Yeah, same thing. Same. Yep. Same thing. Really? Dead serious. Yeah. And um, that's kind of what they had to say because they knew 
for the child to be eligible for international adoption. So basically, you know, you could still be adopted domestically in Russia. Uh, it's very mm-hmm. kind of frowned upon. Adoption is a very touchy subject in Russia. The family, especially families, they don't like to talk about it and share that they gave up yep. the child because that's like the exactly. worst you could do. Yeah. So the doctors knew that the only way to get these children homes, because no one in the, you know, when the Soviet Union collapsed, Russia was still rebuilding and they couldn't afford to take care of all these large amounts of children. So they knew the only way to get them on the international adoption list was to deem them unhealthy and have disabilities, have mental illnesses and all these bad things just so the, the Russian government can say, oh, yeah, we don't want them. You know, so here you go, take them. Yeah. But that a lot of fake diagnosis, you know, a lot of fake diagnoses and mm-hmm. things that we don't have, but they say we did. And they even said I was allergic to vitamin B, which is impossible. You can't live if you're allergic to vitamin B. Yeah. And they said I was allergic to chocolate. When would I have had chocolate? Yeah, no, I had a, <laughs> no, this is a good one. So I had, so apparently they said I had hydrocephalic syndrome, which is water in the brain and my dad's a neurologist and he cracked up about that. He's just like, he's like, oh yeah. When I saw that, I'm like, that's, you know, they're so full of, oh yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Full yeah. Of it. So basically she said she was in shock and she needed time to think. And I was like, take all the time you need. I would love to get to know you. Yeah. And so she did not respond for two days. And I remember the fact that when she sent that, the doctors lied to her. Like I was just, I, that was so hard for me to process. And cause all the time I had been told that she just didn't want me yeah. and she couldn't have it. And to find out the real reason, you know, um, was just a lot to take in. Yeah. So then she wanted to get to know me. Basically she wrote back saying, hi, ask questions. I will answer, but I want to know what's going on in your life right now. It's the best option. So I think she just kind of by that meant, you know, how it translates. She's like, that's, you know, the most important thing is for her to get to know me. And so we talked for a long time about things about each other. You always wonder what you have that came from your biological family. That's the same. And I know we talked about, gosh, like, just different things. She's so I'm an art person. I got my bachelor's degree in art and photography and minored in business. Um, And ever since I was a little kid, I was obsessed with, I know it's like a small thing, but like just nails, painting your own nails, doing your own nails. I do my nails currently. And um, I told her that, that that was something I really enjoyed. And I sent her a picture and she said, she likes to do her nails too. send a picture. We had almost like the exact same color on at the same time, which was, (laughs) I was like, oh my gosh. And, you know, while I had proved myself to her that I was who I was, I still had that little bit of a voice in me of, is she who she says she is? And one of the questions I ended up asking her was, how long were you pregnant with me? And the reason that that question is so unique is because I was actually born three months early. Me too. And weighed two pounds, one ounce when I was born. Really? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, see, uh, our stories are very, very, pretty much the same. (laughs) They really are. And it's such a miracle to not have birth defects, to not have, you know, any ailments really from that. And so I knew that if she said anything like, oh, nine months full term, or I think I had you full, you know, I knew she would be lying because I knew that she would have only been pregnant with me for six months, yeah, for 24 weeks. And I knew that that would be a big tell. And she responded immediately saying six months. <laughs> yep. And I was like, okay, this is her. Yeah. And I asked her what happened. She said she fell and went to premature labor. And, um, you know, we got to know each other a little bit more. She shared some really dark stories that I won't really get into, but really personal stories that I was really shocked for just having found her that she was just open to share like the most horrific thing that you can think yeah, of really russians don't yeah it's the, it's the russian culture especially with family they don't mess around when you ask them like how are you it's not like in the u.s where we just say good yep yep and that's it and the conversation's over you ask a russian mm-hmm. how they're doing they're going to tell you about their family they're going to talk about their job they're, okay actually they won't they don't like talking about work but they will talk about like <laughs> finance and money they'll talk about any medical problems they're having they'll lay it all out there yeah. and 
especially mm-hmm. now that they want to feel like they're close to you because you're a new addition to their family, they're going to treat you that yeah. way. So <laughs> exactly. And so, yeah, she shared a lot. And then she told me uh, July, I want to say July 19th was when I found out I have a sister. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. And I've always wanted a sister. Uh, she's a half sister, but to me, she's a full sister. Like, she's the only, like, blood sibling that I would have, yeah. you know. So to me, it doesn't. Sister's a sister, yeah. you know. And uh, the funny thing is, she's also named Ludmila. And so, funny you say that. So, what you don't, you don't, do you have a brother? (laughs) So, I do have a younger brother, and I do have a younger sister as well. But the younger brother was named after me, Maxime. Oh my gosh. Yep. (laughs) Wow. Um, yeah. It's, yeah. So, I found her. We, she and I talk on WhatsApp. Yep. Yep. A lot. You know, so she and I are very, you know, we have a lot of similarities. I did a photo back to back with us to look at, you know, what's similar. I think she looks a lot like our mom. I think she and I look a lot like each other. Whenever I show people a picture of her, they say, oh, I thought that was you. Yeah. So it's it's just a crazy thing to, you know, to be able to have someone who kind of looks like you. Yeah, absolutely. You know, getting to just learn different things about them. You know, like my mom likes to make these lamps. You you just learn different things about, you know, what your family does. And so she's creative, just like me. And, you know, I I guess now I have dreams about meeting them in Russia because I am having issues going back to Russia. And I actually, before, a year before the war started, uh, I was supposed to go on a trip with my aunt to Russia. She was going to have a work trip. And so I knew the process to go was going to get my documents in order. Uh, It was going to take a while. And so I submitted everything, went through this agency to help, and they got caught up on them needing to know where my mom lived in 1992. And, you know, I don't have that information. And at the time, I didn't find my mom. She didn't, you know, so I was like, I don't know where she lived in 1992 before I was born, but she was a Russian citizen by the time she had me. She has a Russian passport, Russian nationality. So, like, why does that matter? And they're so hung up on it. And she doesn't remember, you know, where she lived when she was 18, because that was a bad time for her. And I have dreams like in Russian, even though I don't know what's happening, but like just meeting her um, and all of that. And, but yeah, just, I know my mom's felt guilt at sometimes, like when we first started talking, when people start to find their families, you might talk a little bit and then you might find that they're kind of more quiet a little bit more. Yeah. Um, I found that with my mom because I asked my sister why she hasn't been responding as much. She said she, you know, felt guilty. And I said, she doesn't need to feel guilty. It's not her fault. I have, you know, she's tried to tell her that. And then, you know, it kind of rebuilded, you know, once I told my mom, I was like, okay, I look forward to messaging yeah. you just for her to know yeah. that, you know, there's, there's nothing you do not need to hold back. Like we are good. Like, I just want to get to know you. She just wants to get to yeah. know me. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, yeah, we just, we talked occasionally. I actually, she messaged me on my birthday. She messaged me on my birthday last year too. I knew that was a big question because I'd found her before my birthday and wondered if she was going to, you know, remember. Yeah, yeah. And she did. And then this year she remembered and um, wrote to me and then I sent her voice messages and all of that. And so kind of, yeah, that's, sorry, I didn't mean to go into, I know you've probably had questions in between or no, that's that's per- you. That's perfect. You know, I tell her things like I I bought a new car last year, brand new car. I got bought a house this year. I started a new job this year. Like, tell her things going on in my life and everything. So it's um, just I feel very blessed and to be where I'm at. Yeah. So. So wow. All right. So uh, let's unpack a little bit of that. So when you were going through this entire process of finding your family. And then you finally found, you know, you were in touch with your biological mother and now a sister. What were your adoptive parents feeling about all of this? Were they involved or were they not involved? Like, let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah. My mom went with me on the trip to Canada. Yep. I told her about it and said, you might be interested in going. I just wanted to let you know I'm doing this. And it's really funny growing up when 
my parents adopted me. Me and my dad were always like, oh, she's adopted. She's from Russia. We, you know, all of this. And my mom kind of was more secretive about it, you know, was just protective over my information. And then as I found my Russian family, the roles flip-flopped a little bit, which shocked me. Whereas my mom is super interested in what's going on with Tatiana. Do you have new pictures of her? Can you ask her this? Can you ask her that? And whereas my dad, you know, I asked them this, like, how do you feel after me finding them? Whereas my dad said, I, you know, I just don't want to feel replaced or anything, you know, like he was pretty, you know, he, he had the idea of our family, the three, you know, three of us and everything. And I, you know, I think it's a little bit, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like he's just more, let's just focus on, you know, because he doesn't ask me anything about them or anything like that. Whereas my mom's just more involved. So, you know, and I don't, you know, it's, it's all about making sure what they're comfortable with as well as them making sure what's comfortable with me as well. Um, Because it's not always just about the adoptee. It's also about the people who adopted you too and their feelings in it as well. So being mindful of both sides to it and being respectful to both sides of it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's, it's hard sometimes when you have to balance out because, you know, when you're dealing with biological family on one side and then your adoptive family on the other side and you find yourself in this position where suddenly you're like the mediator where you're trying to please everyone, it's hard because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you don't want anyone to feel uncomfortable. But it's it's going to be a little uncomfortable at first because this is a new territory for you and it's a new territory for your biological mother as well as your adoptive parents. It's all new pretty much, you know, so everyone's, everyone at the end of the day, they're all looking at us to like figure it out. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And so another question I had for you, you mentioned that when you were 18, you got your Russian documents. Why did your adoptive parents withhold information about you for so long until 18? Or was that not the case and you just weren't interested until 18? Um, I don't think they purposefully withheld it. I knew when I grew up as a kid and I would ask them, hey, can I look at my passport again? Or can I look at my birth certificate? They would say yes, and they'd pull it from the safe. I think there are only a few times they said no, because maybe they just didn't feel like going to the safe. But they wouldn't, I didn't know what documents there were other than the ones I'd already seen. You know, I had seen the relinquishment letter. I'd seen the passport and I think the birth certificate. And that was probably it. So I didn't really know what all there was the communications back and forth with the adoption agency after coming to the U.S. Like there's stuff in there that talks about how I struggled learning English a little bit coming back and how there are some words, you know, like Koshka. I still called cat Koshka and stuff like that. And <laughs> yeah. just, there's all these different, so many documents that come with it. Yeah. And so um, I think they only exposed me to a few. And I don't think it was in any malicious way at all. Yeah. I think it was just you're still a child. This is what I'm going to choose to give to you as a parent, which I think is fair. Um, but once I turned 18, I think they said, you're an adult now. I, I'm assuming their viewpoint from it was, here's your information. I was so excited because I felt like I could do a lot more searching with it, yeah. you know, having all of those papers and I could finally start searching for things. So yeah. if that answers that no, question. Yeah, definitely. So you said you were planning, you know, a trip back. Your aunt was going for business mm-hmm. and you were going to tag along. Um, and of course, you know, we had COVID, we had a war all of a sudden, and now we're in, they're in that situation. But when you were in the planning phase, what was your, I guess, itinerary that you were going to do or wanted to do in Russia? Um, I knew we were going to be mostly in St. Petersburg, which is not at all near Krasnoyarsk. Um, for those who don't know Krasnoyarsk, if you look at a map, if you find Russia, you'll find Mongolia and Kazakhstan right below Russia that middle line where those two countries meet and you go up is kind of where Krasnoyarsk is at. And if you divide Russia in half and go a little bit east, that's kind of where it's at. And St. Petersburg is way west of that. Um, So I knew we weren't going to be near that at all. And at the time, I didn't know where my mom would have lived at the time. And I think she's from Anzero, Sudansk or something is where she grew up. And my sister was living in Sochi at the time. So I wouldn't have been anywhere near that. I wouldn't have known even where to start looking for them there. But I think I thought a lot about just the trip flying there and just knowing how emotional it would be to finally land back in my home country. Like 
my birth country. Yeah. And it's, it's definitely just having that connection. There's that definitely there, that feeling of something missing growing up that you have of not knowing where you're from, not knowing just the not knowing, yeah. you know, yeah. and I just, I think I more so visualize, I don't think it really mattered what I was going to do as much on that trip, knowing that I wasn't going to be in a position to really search while I was there, but just more focused on, I get to experience the country where I'm from on this yeah. trip and feel a connection that I've not felt since I've left, you know, which I obviously don't remember that connection. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I went back to, so I was in Russia right when uh, they decided to invade Crimea the first time about nine mm -hmm. years ago, I was in, <laughs> I decided it was a great time to travel to Russia. <laughs> so, oh, um, but it, I will say though, like I couldn't even describe it. I can't even put it in words what it was like when we, when like the cloud broke over the, the plane, you know, plane was descending and the clouds uh, separated. And next thing you know, it, you see Moscow, the whole city, and then you get closer and closer. You see the old Soviet style, like apartment buildings, and you see the big yeah. red wall around the, you know, red square. And we land, and they're speaking to you in Russian, saying welcome. And then they switch to English and say welcome. And you're just like, whoa. And then, like, it, it, then, like, uh -huh. it hits you then. But then, you know, next thing you know, you're touring the capital, you're in the red square, you're looking at this famous, you know, mm -hmm. uh, cathedral uh, st basil's cathedral that you see from photos your whole life and that was like the symbol you know that's like you know like we're from that place that's our country that that's our mm -hmm. symbol of our country basically exactly and, you know now you're there standing looking at it in person you're like okay well the photos make it look a lot bigger but <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah no but anyway so another question i had for you and I, i'm not sure if you know the answer but i'm curious you don't mention anything about a biological father is that not in the mix or? Um, I'm glad you asked that. So when I found my mom, I asked her uh, information about, you know, who's her mom, who's her family. And I asked her about who my dad would be. And she said that she doesn't know who he was. And I said, okay, well, there's this name on my birth certificate. And she said, that shouldn't be there. They should have left it blank. So I don't think there's any knowledge of any of you know, and, and that's okay. I've never really had a desire to find him. It was more my mom that I really wanted to find. Did, did you make any other contacts besides your biological mother and sister, like aunts or uncles or any relatives, uh, uh, grandparents? She hasn't. Uh, so her uh, mom is, has passed away, I think, 10 years ago. Um, I don't think she's in contact with her father if, or I, if I even remember if he's alive or not. Um, she hasn't introduced me to any of her siblings. I know she has a brother and, you know, at times when I've asked her, she's told me about me to her other family. Um, uh, I know she's avoided the question. So I think maybe it's a hard topic for her to share with her family. Yeah. It could even be the case that she never even told them that she was even pregnant with that, me to be honest that's a very common and i wouldn't be surprised with that out if that outcome presents itself i'm just speaking about my story that's it's pretty much the same my biological mother told the rest of the family you know i died at childbirth and that was it so when mm -hmm. i showed back up that was definitely a big uh big shock because you know my siblings didn't know i existed my whole family didn't even know i existed so entering that i mean and and, sure thought you didn't even exist yeah, either yeah you know? and so it's a big step and it 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 might take her time just to digest it but you know i'm not saying be pushy because i don't think that's the right thing either but if you have you know i mean you said you have the name of uh your biological oh technically be your uncle your your biological mother's uh sibling is uh i'm sorry her you said she has a brother she has so a that, brother. That would be your I don't uncle then. So if you had his it, name, what's what would say is stopping you from just messaging him yourself? He may not be on okay. When I go on to okay, I think I see some female, I don't remember, uh, that she has as a relative on there and it just says relative. Yeah. I think I don't think it describes and it could. I think there might be another person, but they are both females, I believe. And 
Um, I just know there was a photo of her hugging her brother that she posted. Oh, okay. And I asked her who that was in the photo. And she said that was her brother. She hadn't seen him in a long time. And honestly, I just didn't think to tell her or ask her if, you know, she's told him about me at all or anything. I know I've asked her multiple times about finding an address because they just need that verification of address, which I felt like I got to a point to where maybe I asked her too many times. (laughs) And then yeah. um, she got sent to a job where, so her job is she is a, basically a nurse for my assumption is truck drivers mm-hmm. um, where she monitors their health, their heart rate, their temperatures, stuff like that. And they'll send her away for a while to go do that job. And then she'll come back and be off of work for a little bit. And I know I had sent her, I had reached out to another like Russian detective about finding the address and she found my sister. I forgot to tell her that I had actually found my family. And she was like, well, I found your sister. And I'm like, oh, sorry, I already know them. <laughs> and I'm like, I just need an address. <laughs> and so she wasn't able to obtain it, but she was like, I can tell her how to obtain it. And she can just send in a request. They can send it to her. Whereas my mom keeps thinking she has to go back to Krasnoyarsk. My sister keeps thinking she has to go to Krasnoyarsk, but I have multiple other people telling me she doesn't have to. So part of me wonders if that's an excuse or if it's yeah. what she actually firmly believes she has to do to go back to get. But after I'd asked her again and said I had reached out to someone who knows how to help search that, and I gave her the phone, the WhatsApp number of her, she said she would call her. But I don't know. I don't think that's happened. Um, yeah. I don't know if it's the thought of her giving that address to me would be like, oh, man, she can come here now. You know, I don't know if that's in the back of her mind. And I know there'd be a lot of more red tape that I'd have to run through before that would even happen. But I know she wants to meet me. We've talked about it. We've talked about, you know, she wants to make me a lamp when I visit. <laughs> but, um, yeah, you know, I, there's parts of her that are just to go back more reserved where she keeps some things more yeah. private. And it just maybe that her family just doesn't yeah. know um, more things where she is more uh, forthgiving of information. Yeah, no, that's. Yeah. I mean, that's understandable. A lot of birth birth mothers have that in common. Some are going to be slower about, you know, showing you off to the world type of deal. And some mm-hmm. are going to be very, very private. And that's just the way they're going to operate. So you just kind of, I mean, you did the right thing by establishing that connection. Now it's, it's the next phase is giving it time. And that's sometimes hard to do, but... It, it's so hard it's worth it though. I, I will tell you that it's worth it. It's just with everything. It's just it's getting to the point to where I'm like, I'm almost like just internally like I just my desire to see my mom and hug her is getting like it's just so strong. I'm almost like I don't care if there's a war. No one's gonna hurt me. I'm gonna go see my mom and give her a hug. You know, just that strong desire just to see her and see my sister. Yeah. But I mean, I, I'd advise probably to wait. Just because, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, for obvious reasons. But at the end of the day, yeah, it's your true. life. You got to do what you got to do. But I'm sure you're do the right thing, because you, you know, at the end of the day, we only know ourselves best. So, Kat, I do have one more question for you. I like to leave every single episode the same way, and I ask for you to provide advice for the listeners and for everyone else after you. Okay. Just as far as adoption, finding family, anything, anything any advice you can pass on to adoptees, to adoptive parents, adoption in general, anything really. Or if you want to teach them how to make lamps, maybe you might learn yourself from your birth mom. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Very unique. I would say as far as dealing with the fact of adoption, I know that's hard for some people. Just it's okay to be at where you're at if you're struggling with that. Um, I think no matter where you're at with any of it, it's okay to be where you're at. And and then if you're at the point of where you've accepted adopted, um, that you're adopted, you've accepted that there's this unknown, then um, I think each stage of the journey that you go through is important um, no matter where you're at. And just for you know the adoptive parents out there or the parents who have adopted to be patient and mindful maybe what their child is going through and trying to put themselves in their shoes and vice versa. And of, you know, what would they be thinking? Are they going to think that they're being replaced when actually it's just extra family, you know, 
And then as far as searching, there's a lot of Facebook groups out there. There's Russian adoptees, there's Fruwa, which is families of Russian and Ukrainian adoption in other neighboring countries. There's a bunch of groups out there. Get in those. They have documents on there of a lot of questions of what you might have thought. Lots of just info and helpful things. Um, as far as searching, you can look on a website called ok.ru. You can look at vk.ru um, probably. I'm not sure of the site. Um, vk.com as well works. Yep. 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 I know OK will show like birthday city, stuff like that, if their profile is public. And just being patient with it, because I know patience is very hard. That's where I'm like having to really preach what preach what you say. <laughs> exactly. Because I'm very impatient with wanting to see my mom and just being patient in the time of just waiting. Yeah. You don't want to ever be too pushy. You want to just because you, you can push them away depending on where they are at. There are adoptees who have pushed their bio families yep. away because they did not tread carefully. And one extra thing that people may not think of is before messaging the relatives of the mom to just be, I would hold personally, this is me. I mean, you, other people don't have to, I would hold off on messaging relatives of who your mom would have because they may not know that you exist. And that could cause family tension for her. Something that was kind of thought yeah, of. That's... She may not have told her siblings. She may not have told her other kids that you existed. So that would be a shock to them. Some of them may even know, and you know, they may even respond okay to it. You know, you can't really say there's a universal statement for everything because right. everything is different. And every, every situation's different. Every family's different. Every dynamic's different. Exactly. No matter how similar our stories are, there are differences. Yep. Yep. And to just try and put yourself in the other person's shoes. You know, I can't imagine being a mom. I can't imagine having had a child and then thinking they've been gone for the last, because I found her when I was 28 years old thinking they've been dead for the last 28 yeah. years. So it's, yeah, it's just a lot of try and put yourself in both positions, be very patient and make sure you are mentally prepared for whatever you find yep. out. You don't know if they're alive and um, you don't know what they're going through. Just, you know, being okay with whatever um, you find out and just, you know, yeah. And just, I've been very thankful, very blessed and all of that. So, well, that's, that's wonderful advice. Kat, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a pleasure getting to know you and a pleasure hearing your story. We really appreciate it. And at any time you have any new information, you are more than welcome to come back and say hello and update all of us with uh, anything that you find. But as always, thank you to the listeners. Thank you to our supporters. We really appreciate it. If you are adopted yourself or know somebody you want to come on the show, check us out, voiceofadoptees.com. We're on all the podcast platforms, and we will see you next episode. Voice of Adoptees, who am I? Thanks for listening to Voice of Adoptees. Please take a moment to like, subscribe, and leave a review. See you next time.